last and greatest day of the feast, Yeshua stood up and cried out loudly, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his inmost being will flow rivers of living water. John chapter 7, verses 37 and 38. Next week, we will enter the Hebrew month of Elul, the month of repentance. And we enter this month in anticipation for the fall feasts of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot, the head of the year, the Jewish New Year, the Day of Atonement, and of course, the Feast of Tabernacles. We hear the sound of the shofar, we reflect and rejoice in the covering during atonement, and of course, we look out at the impermanent structure that we build, remembering a time of wandering, a time of uncertainty, as we look toward the certainty of the great feast of Sukkot that is to come. Friends, welcome to Messiah and life. Usually in the weeks leading up to the fall feast or any of the feasts of the Lord, I do specific Uh, messages that address the overarching theme and application to illuminate the celebration, to help people enter into it. If they're not familiar with it, if they don't have a background in it, I I want them not just to, to go through the motions or to pretend to understand. Rather, I want people to be able to fully experience and receive what the Holy Spirit is pouring out on that day. And this season that is coming up, the fall feasts, is beautiful because, as we understand theologically, these are the feasts that Messiah is yet to fulfill. And you have to understand the preparation that is um, directing us to that final feast. And even, as we'll read, that final day, this beautiful day when the Messiah will give us a perfect peace and a perfect rest as we settle into the place that he has prepared for us in his eternal kingdom. Let's read from John chapter 7. I'll pick up in verse 37 again and read to verse 44. On the last and great day of the feast, Yeshua, Jesus, stood up and cried out loudly, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his inmost being will flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the Ruach, the Spirit, whom those who trust in him were going to receive. For the Ruach, the Spirit, was not yet given, since Yeshua was not yet glorified. When they heard these words, some of the crowd said, This man really is the prophet. Others were saying, This is the Messiah. Still others were saying, the Messiah doesn't come from the Galilee, does he? Didn't the scriptures say that the Messiah comes from the seed of David and from Bethlehem, David's town? So a division arose in the crowd because of Yeshua. Some wanted to capture him, but no one laid hands on him. This year in anticipation and preparation uh, before the fall feasts, As we prepare to enter into the month of Elul, I'll be doing a four-part series on the podcast where we'll look at 
some different aspects of the feast, particularly addressing uh, the spirit, the spirit. So the four-part series uh, will be called Come to Me, and we have the source of the spirit, which will be today's podcast. Next week, the work of the spirit, the following week, the washing of the spirit, and finally, we'll conclude with the seal of the spirit. But we're not beginning with Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah, but with Sukkot, and specifically the last day of the feast, Hoshiana Rabbah, the great salvation. We've just read of that moment in John chapter 7, a beautiful moment on Hoshiana Rabbah, the day of the great salvation where Messiah stood up and beckoned us to come to him, that if we're thirsty, come to him. In essence, if we are in need of heavenly rest, come to him. So as we prepare for the season, knowing our destination, knowing that final day of the fall feast helps to assist us to enter into the season more intentionally, to do so with a mind of how we can receive of the Lord and how in that receipt we prepare, we receive, and we continue on in faith until the Messiah comes. I know I use uh, hiking as kind of a storytelling point, but it's quite relatable to this message When I go on some of these long day hikes, some days they're five miles, some days they're 25 miles. They might be in the Adirondack High Peaks here in New York or somewhere else in the Adirondack Park or in the immediate area. One of the things that I do is I study the destination. I look at the destination. I look to where I'm going. How many miles is it? Is there significant elevation gain? What is the location of what we might say the true summit? Because sometimes there will be a lookout that's not the true summit, even though it appears to be at the top. And from there, I study the way to the destination, the trail itself, the mileage, the signs, markers, cairns, streams, not only to cross over, but also as a water source along the way. And knowing the destination assists in knowing the way to the destination. And of course, if I know the trail well, I'll reflect back. But if I don't know it at all, I make sure that I do, as we say, our homework for it. Sukkot is a destination. It's the destination of Rosh Hashanah and of Yom Kippur, the season of repentance, new beginning, and covering. It's kind of the overarching themes that we find in these three feasts. Sukkot is a taste of the marriage feast of the Lamb or the marriage supper of the Lamb. And on a deeper level, Sukkot points us to the marriage feast of the Lamb. The marriage feast points us even deeper to the Lamb himself. So let's consider the text we've just read. Of course, on the last day of Sukkot, the last day of Tabernacles, Hoshiana Rabbah, the day of the great salvation, the day, the day of the water libation ceremony, And if we recall, Tabernacles is a remembrance of the wanderings of the children of Israel in the wilderness, the dwelling of God in our midst, in the midst of the camp, the gathering of the nations, as we see prophetically, and as I mentioned, Zaman Simchatena, the season of our rejoicing. And while the priests were taking water from the pool of Siloam, the water of the sent one, the sent one from heaven is sitting there in their midst. And then he stands up 
He stands up and proclaims loudly, if anyone is thirsty, if anyone is thirsty, and he's answering really Psalm 42 verses 2 and 3, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. If anyone is thirsty, he cries out. And of course, most of our ears, even the ears of those in the first century, would go to Psalm 42. If anyone desires the Lord, come to me and drink. And of course, come to me takes us to Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. And we have that announcement of the comforter, that announcement that he will give us comfort. Come to me. I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to give you comfort. And that he will give to those who come to him rest for their soul. And here we see the sent one calling out, calling out those, are calling out to quench the thirst of those who are thirsting for God. And that comes by tshuva, by repentance, and a repentant turn to him. He's standing there in their midst. Again, this is an allusion back to the wilderness, God in the midst of the camp. And here Yeshua is standing in the midst of the people of Israel, or the Jewish people in the temple probably just off of the altar, right in the midst of the people. And he's standing up and he says, come to me, repent, turn to me, whoever believes in me. And of course, we know that the work of God is to believe the one that God sent, John 6 and 29. In keeping with the Feast of Tabernacles, all are invited. Whoever, whoever, whoever's thirsty, whoever believes in me, And of course, this is an eschatological announcement. Come to me. That's the theme of the marriage feast, the marriage feast of the Lamb. Come to me. And out of his inmost being. For many years, I, like many um, others, have misunderstood the final clause of this verse. But now this is slowly being corrected in commentaries as translators and exegetes kind of get together on this and they see that their their issue was how we translated this verse into the English from the Greek. And it's believed that John is quoting Messiah and he's quoting him meaning this, whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his, Yeshua's, inmost being will flow rivers of living water. And of course, we can turn to many scriptures to see how that would be a valid translation as well. So, the rivers of living water come from Yeshua to us. Water being, of course, representative of the Holy Spirit, which is why I'm looking at these weeks leading up to as a preparation come to me and speak of the Spirit and look at the washing of the Spirit, the preparation of the Spirit, the source of the Spirit, and so on. Those who believe will receive the Holy Spirit sent by Yeshua. But the translators add a word in an attempt to clarify the verse. The Spirit was not yet given. The word given isn't actually in the Greek, so the verse actually says the Spirit was not yet. Now, that would seem a little bit problematic. The Holy Spirit is, of course, an eternal person of the Godhead. And always has been, as we want to say it in our language. In the Hebrew Scriptures, however, only a select few receive the Holy Spirit for an appointed purpose. Prophet, priest, king, artisan. And the Spirit did not always remain on the person. Rather, the Spirit would withdraw once the mission of the person was accomplished. 
But Messiah is speaking of something different. Why? It would be the Son, Yeshua, who sends the Holy Spirit, John 16, 7, to not leave his bride as an orphan. In our congregational uh, messages, I've been really uh, going to that point of you are not an orphan because an orphan uh, historically and in some cultures in the world today was seen as being cursed. And I've wanted people to see the fact that they are not cursed. They are not orphans. And that helps them to see who they are in him, that they're not an orphan, that there is the spirit of adoption working in them. And in that adoption, there is a new father, there's a new family, there is a new inheritance. And when Messiah is saying this, he does not, he sends the spirit to not leave us as orphans. Therefore, the body of Messiah is not cursed. And he does so to empower the bride for the working of the ministry, the great commission in anticipation of Joel 3, verse 1, as we see in Acts 2. So, Yeshua is sent to the Father, and he'll return to him. And he returns to the Father in order to send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Teacher, and the Empowerer. So, the entire scene is filled, filled with divine overtones, and they're quite remarkable. He cries out to those who are thirsty for God, Come to him. Come to God the Son, and in Him, believing, receive that river of living water that satisfies, that refreshes, that cleanses, that empowers by the Holy Spirit. There is no deeper satisfaction, no deeper peace than that which comes from receiving the Holy Spirit sent by the Son. Still, there's more to this picture. There's more that is often overlooked. Sukkot, uh, again, is a remembrance of life in the wilderness, the impermanence of life, the insecurity of life. It's commanded that we leave our homes and we live in temporary dwellings that probably aren't fit for human habitation. But in that we see the, the trust that we have for the Lord depicted. And we look at the wanderings, we remember the wanderings, we remember the dwellings, and we remember the provision for hunger and thirst for 40 years in the wilderness. As Yeshua will say later, eat of him. He is the bread from heaven, the living bread from heaven, which is sent. But here, Yeshua stands up in the midst of Israel. He stands up in the midst of the Jewish people, in the midst of the, the Kohanim, the priests. And he beckons everyone, all who will believe, come to me and drink. Now consider this. In the wilderness, Israel received water from the rock for roughly 40 years. The Apostle Paul tells us, For they were drinking from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Messiah. But here, once again, Yeshua stands in the midst of the children of Israel and promises to provide living water in the midst of drought, if only we will go to him. So, in Exodus 17, the Lord promises to stand upon the rock at Horeb and give water. Here, the rock once again stands and promises living water during the Feast of Sukkot, remembering, or excuse me, reminding Israel of his presence in their midst in the wilderness. 
and he does so on the great day of salvation, Hoshiana Robah, as he is the great salvation. So there's so much subtext happening here that that you can miss if you don't connect all of the dots and the pieces and the puzzle. Here, Messiah is once again standing in the midst of Israel, just as he did at the ro- as, as the rock in Horeb, giving water. And he reminds them of how he stood in their midst then, standing in their midst at that point in the first century, and still will be standing in the midst as Emmanuel today. He is the great salvation. He is the Hoshiana Rabbah. Amen. He is. This is who Yeshua is. And this is how he can promise such amazing, fantastic, life-changing things. Living water, living bread, life, abundant, overflowing, and a place that has been prepared for us, that is not impermanent, that is not unfit for human habitation, but has been prepared specifically for you and I. And we hold on to that great promise. And in this month of preparation, as we prepare ourselves for the fall feast and and we think and we look forward and we enter that posture of repentance to remind ourselves that our life should be one of daily repentance and looking toward that day when we will be caught up together and we will be taken to the marriage feast of the Lamb. As we prepare in this time with so many distractions, so much pressure, so many trials, so many circumstances that some of us had never dreamed of, we have a promise of one who stands in our midst and says, I am the one who will deeply satisfy every need. Friend, I hope uh, hope and pray that there was something in this today that blessed your heart and perhaps gave you a little bit of comfort and to know that you're not alone, that you're not an orphan, that you're not cursed, but the Comforter is there with you and the one who promised is faithful to send and he is living bread and he is living water and all our needs are satisfied in him. May the Lord bless and keep you all in the holy name of Jesus, our Messiah. God bless you, friends. Thank you for listening. And I am always blessed to know that you are out there and know that you're being prayed for. Amen. Amen. Amen.